When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Now today... There's so much to discuss in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. It has been a very busy week with two new signings, one potential outgoing and then also a bid for Harry Kane. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Fantastic. Yeah, really good week. Really positive week for Tottenham Hotspur. Positive for me because I had a couple of days off and left you to do all the work. Um, And yeah, it's two terrific signings, uh, an outgoing to come, which I don't know, might even be end up being announced while we uh, record this podcast, but uh, loads for us to talk about. We've got coaching staff to talk about as well, all the Harry Kane stuff as well. I hope that's not going to be a running theme in every single podcast we do for the remainder of this uh, close season or pre-season. But yeah, really good week, really exciting week, I think, as well. It's, it's nice to be able to say lots of good stuff about Spurs after that into the season. Yeah, especially as well, it's an important week going into the start of pre-season. I think that's what Ange Postacoglu, obviously the Tottenham players and fans would want. New signings coming in through the door and Spurs have really, you know, made the mark in the transfer market over the past two weeks with three signings already in place and certainly more to follow and hopefully we'll have a couple more in through the door ahead of the pre-season tour of uh, Australia. So we'll start with the first signing who is Guglielmo Vicario. He has signed from Empoli in a 16.3 million deal. Signed a five-year contract at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and he will wear the number 13 shirt. I think given this was a priority position for Tottenham this summer to bring in a new number one, the fact that they've got their man for a really good fee as well, someone who's highly rated in Italy, I think this is a really good piece of business from the club. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrific deal. Um... Obviously, it goes without saying, he is slightly more of a risk than a David Raya because obviously David Raya was playing in the Premier League, was uh, is ready for it. We know exactly what he's about, but ultimately Spurs just would not go near that price tag. And, you know, as of yet, as of recording this, no other club has either. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Raya, whether he ends up just having to make his decision as a free agent next summer. Uh, maybe Brentford end up pricing him out of the market. But Vicario, yeah, Guglielmo, as he uh, told us to pronounce it on his little video he did, um, it's got everything about him to be a success. Um, It's now just 
seeing how quickly he uh, adapts to the Premier League and also what Postacoglu wants from him. What I really like, and we'll probably talk about this in a little bit more depth, is that Postacoglu's message to both players that have come in has been very clear and he's explained exactly what he wants and exactly what he's going to bring to Spurs. And Vicario's interview is really is a really good one. He's a clearly... Actually, both of the interviews, Madison and uh, Vicario, are both clearly types of players. You can see it's not just about their ability. It's about their ability to communicate as well. They both seem to be quite readers of the game. Um, real... It sounds strange to say, but football fans... In, and what I mean by that is sometimes you get players that they just do football as their job. That's all they see it as... Once they're hanging their boots up, they're not going to do anything more to do with the job. That's them done and dusted. Whereas with Vicaro and Madison, and you can see this in some players, they seem to be quite thinkers about the game and they really understand exactly what their role within a system is and also what's going on around them. And I don't think it's any coincidence that um, Postacoglu has kind of wanted these two kind of players. And also it's part of this new data-led initiative uh, by the club it, it's I say, say new. It's it's what other clubs are doing. I think Spurs are just now properly catching up, and they've always had good data analysts. I don't think that's ever been the issue. It's maybe been the data that they've been using, and now it feels like they're properly putting that towards the right areas in in uh, essentially assembling a squad and a team for Postacoglu that um, fits exactly what he wants and his needs. And yeah, it's very exciting. Vicario as the first piece of the puzzle. We're gonna it'd be interesting to see now where we had this slightly awkward moment where he and Larice are at the club at the same time. And that's not to say that Larice is gonna be weird in any way and like standoffish or anything. He's like the ultimate professional. But what I just mean is Vicario is clearly the number one for the long term. That that's the plan, that's what they want. Um obviously Larice should be there probably from tomorrow or Sunday. I know they come back tomorrow. I think some come back tomorrow, some come back Sunday. Um, Vicario, I'm intrigued to see what happens with him because um, it's about, uh, yeah, whether he, how do I put this, um, whether he comes back straight away or whether he, I don't know whether they have to actually, I say legally, but by the laws of the game, uh, stick to, is it three weeks, two to three weeks after international involvement. But what I would say with um, Vicario is that he was on the bench for Italy. He wasn't um, playing. So I don't know whether that makes a difference if you're not getting any minutes. But either way, back to my original point, which I kind of came away with with the explanation, was that I wonder whether, because internationals come back on the 12th, whether we do end up having him come back early and there is a bit more of a handover period, or whether Larice now can quickly accelerate and move away. But either way, I do feel in Vicario that they've uh, they've picked someone all the right assets, and to be fair, it's someone that F- Fabio Paratici, um, who obviously I wrote this week. If people didn't see it, is still involved with the club on a consultancy basis. Um, he picked out Vicario a long way back. Um, asked about his uh, availability earlier in the year as well. He and Leonardo Gabonini, the chief scout, both big fans of his. Uh, Postacoglu very happy with his signing as well um, like I say had a good chat with the player as well so yeah it's going to be he's got good English skills as well um, big presence a uh, bit of a leader um, there was a nice interview actually with his dad 
um, who was speaking about the the Postacoglu chat as well and how important that was and, and getting a sense of what he wanted from him. He's going to have to ball, play the ball out with his feet a lot more than he was doing at Empoli because that wasn't really their style. Um, but it sounds like something he's been working on in the last couple of years a lot. So he, he's ready for that. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Vicario as the uh, as the face of the future. It's all kind of change at Spurs. Um, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, very much so. As you alluded to, uh, there was an interview in one of the Italian newspapers with uh, Vicario's dad, uh, Michele, and he opened up about the video call between the goalkeeper and Ange Postacoglu. And one thing I noticed about Ange from his two years at Celtic was he says all the right things. His words are powerful and you can see why, you know, uh, players would, automatically just you know buy into his vision with what he's saying and I think that's clear to see uh from what he was saying to Vicario during this call uh I think the goalkeeper's dad basically said that uh Postacoglu had selected him as his choice to be Tottenham's new number one and uh one of the main reasons for that was basically he's had to work his way up in the game uh as well, uh, such as what Postacoglu's had to do in his managerial career. So I think that's something Ange Postacoglu uh, will certainly like about Vicario and he'll be hoping uh, that he can become Tottenham's new lo- number one for years and years to come. Uh, I was speaking with Brad Friedel the other day, had the opportunity to interview him. So speaking to him about Vicario and he said, since there was talk about Vicario going to Tottenham, he's been watching his highlights and he's saying he's, he looks a really, really good keeper, a good shot stopper. But there's going to be this, you know, period of adaptation because uh, Vicario's never played in the Premier League, so he's going to have to get used to the top flight in England. Uh, he also said it's going to be important to see how he reacts to the mistake because there will come a time where he does make a mistake, so it's going to be vital to see how he bounces back from that. I can remember when David De Gea first went to Manchester United in 2011 and he made an absolute howler on his debut, I think it was, against West Brom, but he had a couple of shaky performances, you know, some poor errors, but he bounced back in... Look at the amount of points he saved Manchester United over the past decade or so he's been you know, an absolute pivotal figure uh, for them. And I think the hope is Vicario will be able to do the same. Uh, I think like I was saying, he's going to get have to get used to life in the Premier League to start with, but I think he's got all the attributes to be a really, really good player for Tottenham going forward. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's interesting, the, the dad's interview. I just kind of quickly looked up the quotes. It was like, uh, they spoke in English and the coach told him that he'd chosen him because Guglielmo worked his way up just like him. Um, which I thought was quite interesting. It just it shows that he finds these common factors with players. He finds a level to identify with. I think I remember listening to a podcast where he said this, that he constantly adapts because he knows that obviously he's, he's an older, was he 57? He's an older chap. He sometimes, you know, there's a worry that when you're older, you might not be able to identify and communicate with these young players nowadays. Whereas, you know, that's why you're seeing a lot of young coaches coming through as well that maybe can identify with them better because they're at a similar age level. So he says what he constantly has to do, Postacoglu, is learn uh, to adapt his communication to, to younger players and, uh, and know where their head's at. And it, I just found that really fascinating that straight away that was the thing I zeroed in on that, okay, so what he's done, he's looked at the fact that Vicario has worked his way all up the different levels of football in Italy 
um, has had some kind of setbacks, has, has worked his way up, and now he's exactly where he needs to be. And that's exactly what happened with Postacoglu in his coaching career. And he's, he's obviously arrowed in on that and thought, right, there you go. There's our common denominator. And and I love that. And obviously telling him that he chose him is also a big thing. With with no disrespect, I probably can't imagine uh, Conte said that when he was signing Jed Spence. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine that was exactly how the phone call there went. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, he's going to be his new number one. It's such an important position. It's such a huge part, you know, with Hugo Lloris probably always associated with Pochettino and he and Pochettino became so close. Um, he once referred to Lloris as part of his coaching staff, essentially. And that's so key that the the number one, the, the main goalkeeper has this um, trust from the manager and the belief. Um, and like you say, there are going to be knocks and setbacks and and the pace of the Premier League is going to be a surprise to him you know he's going to have to come into cluttered penalty areas to try and get to the ball and and the physicality of that aspect probably more crosses into the box maybe than he's used to dealing with in Italy and it's all about quite literally how he handles it on every in every sense of the word because one criticism people have said has been that he maybe has a tendency to push out and parry rather than hold the ball um, and that obviously kind of relies on his reflexes to get the follow-up shot, which we've obviously seen some great examples of. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how Rob Burch, uh, the new goalkeeping coach at Spurs, is going to have to work with him on that and say that obviously in the Premier League, you're going to have to hold the ball more. Otherwise, it's going to very quickly come back at you. Um, yeah, yeah. Good signing. Um, excited to see the first look at him on the tour and in those matches. Um, obviously, it's not going to give him a sense of the the pace of the Premier League. Although I do think playing a couple of English sides is going to be a, a benefit to him, even with the friendly tempo. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think he'll, especially having such good English skills as well. I think he's going to settle in well. Honestly, if everyone anyone hasn't seen his interview, it's a really good interview, Vicarios. You get a real sense of the man as well, um, and and why they chose him. So yeah, really looking forward to to watching him. And hopefully, a very long and successful time at Tottenham. If he could have 11 years at Spurs, they'll have done remarkably well with their goalkeepers in recent times. Especially as well for 16.3 million, if they can get Absolutely. 11 well, years out of was 12, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right, let's move on to signing number two of this week. This happened 24 hours after uh, Vicario's moved to the club. And it's fair to say, it is a statement signing from Tottenham with James Madison joining from Leicester City for £40 million. And to get this one over the line pretty quickly, ahead of the return uh, of the team for pre-season training, it's a really, really good deal uh, for Tottenham. And one Daniel Levy deserves a lot of praise for because obviously he's coming for a lot of criticism in the past with how the club's run, the direction of the club. And I think a few were worried about be putting in low bids for Madison and this could be you know a repeat of the Jack Grealish one from 2018 where he just rumbles on and rumbles on and a deal doesn't get over the line but you know Tottenham have managed to sew this one up really really quickly I know there was interest from Newcastle and that must have been uh, you know giving Madison quite a decision to make because Newcastle are on the up they've got Champions League football to offer but Madison himself has said uh, in his interview, he's speaking with Daniel Levy and Ange Postacoglu, and they've been, you know, key 
figures in helping him make this move to North London. And then all in all, for 40 million, this is a great piece of business by Tottenham. It's fantastic. Honestly, it's... I won't lie, even obviously as a journalist, you have to kind of try and remain a little bit um, calm and an objective. I think this is one of the most exciting transfers Spurs have had in a while. Honestly, I know they've got to fix the defence and I know that is a big priority uh, this window. But for me, getting in a player like James Madison has just been something they've been lacking for years. I mean, in his interview, he talks about Christian Eriksen and I thought that was quite apt because he's probably the first time we've actually had a proper replacement for Christian Eriksen at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I think that's huge. And the money is ridiculous when you look at it. I mean, when you're seeing figures, you know, Declan Rice about to go for like a nine-figure sum. And don't get me wrong, Declan Rice is a fantastic player. And he will be, you know, a remarkable part of whatever team he ends up going to. It does, unfortunately, for, for those Spurs fans, look like he's heading down the road. But... I wouldn't be too upset because of the Madison deal. I know he's a different kind of player, but my goodness, not only 40 million, but technically we're going to talk about Harry Winks heading in the opposite direction, albeit in a separate deal. This is always made very clear. It's like, it's a separate deal worth 10 million pounds, but you can't help but look at it as a combination because essentially Spurs are getting Madison in a way for 30 million plus Harry Winks. Um, And obviously Harry Winks' wages off the bill and everything that in ensues as well um uh, entails as well so yeah he's a very good player if he can make sure he doesn't have these little kind of injury issues of not taking out loads of his seasons but um games in his seasons but he's he's just missed probably more games than he would have wanted to in the last few years but you just the look at the stats around him i know that this week there has just been smiles all around Hotspur way because so many people wanted him. Postacoglu wanted him. He was a massive cog, if you'll pardon the expression, for Postacoglu um, in his system. Um, Daniel Levy has been really driving this deal. He's a player that he's kind of wanted for a few years as well. But just, I mean, last year there was real kind of talk that they might try and make it happen. But I think ultimately they just kind of came to the conclusion that for the fee, which was much, much higher last summer, he wasn't a guaranteed starter for Antonio Conte in that system, um, which really, I was trying to think about it, and even where Madison would have fitted into the Conte system, it would have been a bit, I think he would have been an in-and-out kind of player. Um, we know that the Conte system, a lot of the creativity and, and attacking movement essentially comes from the wing-backs, and it was on Harry Kane to kind of drop back into that role. So I, I think... Of course, I'd love to have seen Madison a year early at Spurs, but I do think we might have been having lots of debates in this podcast about why is he not using Madison? Why is he not adapting the system to fit Madison and all this sort of stuff? Whereas now with Postacoglu, he's got someone that he is going to be such a central component to this Spurs team, whether that is as a number eight in a midfield three, which we've seen him do for Leicester a number of times, whether he is in the right or left of a front three. He can play on either side. He can be the inverted guy on the left-hand side. Whether he's in a 4-2-3-1 as the number 10, whether he's on the right or left of the three in a 4-2-3-1 as well. This is the beauty of Madison is that he has got this versatility, but also wonderful creativity and an eye for a goal as well. Um, His stats, you know, everyone's kind of been running the pieces, showing about the fact that 
there's very few players that I think it's maybe only five other players and two of those are Son and Kane that have actually contributed more goal involvements than Madison over the last three seasons. He's a very exciting player. I mean, even against Spurs, Spurs players must be delighted. Actually, I know they are because I know I was looking, I was kind of being told the various people that have really wanted Madison is Postacoglu, Levy, Paratici, again, big fan. I think we probably need a whole podcast dedicated to the fact that Pratici is still involved at Tottenham, but that's a whole other thing. Um, uh, Gabonini likes him as well. And also, really importantly, the players. The players, he's very popular among a lot of the Spurs players. Um, obviously, we know the, the, the England internationals know him very well as well, but he's also, he just, I think he's always had quite a, a close association with Spurs because He's always been friends with was it Delhi. I think Carl Walker Peters as well. Um, there's a big, um, how do I put this, um, line or, or kind of th- a thread that keeps everyone together in this little setup, and it is the agency, which is CAA base. So CAA base represent uh, James Madison. They represent. Postacoglu, they represent Richarlison, they represent Sonny, they represent Porro, they represent the two players I just said, I think Delhi um, certainly used to be there, Carl Walker-Peters I think was also there, uh, they've got loads of top young players in the Spurs Academy as well, they are such a presence within Spurs nowadays and I think that was a big factor also in getting him to Spurs was that there was this kind of everything became quite easy because of this route uh, through and and I was looking at it. It's quite interesting. Spurs' biggest signings in the last three windows have all been base clients. Poro last year, Richarlison. Um, oh, who was the one I just said before that as well? There was another one in the previous window. Oh, well, technically that's three, isn't it? You could say with, with Madison now as well. The three big signings. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. It's it's a very uh, some might see that in a slightly different way. Some people might see that as what they're kind of monopolizing the big transfers there at Spurs. It's maybe, I guess, unhealthy, maybe someone could say. But certainly there's no argument that they're very good players they're bringing in. So you can't really argue from that side of things. Um, but yeah, really excited about Madison. I thought his, I mean, his interview was very enlightening as well. The thing that said about Madison is that as um, a person, I think he's admitted this himself, I think off the pitch, became a dad a couple of years ago. I think that has a massive effect, uh, impact in, as it does with anyone in life when you become a parent. I think it's just just maturing you a lot and your outlook on life changes a lot. And he's become this really kind of leading voice, um, very articulate in how he describes the game and, and talks about tactics. And there was a really good interview I watched yesterday. He did post-match. I can't remember what the game was now. It was with Jeff Shreves. I think it was when Leicester had gone top of the table briefly a couple of seasons ago. It was a really interesting interview. It's worth digging out for anyone. Um, and in this one, the interview he did for Spurs, I thought it was fascinating what you said about Postacoglu as well. He said, um, I've got it here. He said, speaking to the manager was very important. How he's going to be, that little bit of the unknown. So to have a decent chat with him and get his thoughts on things, how he sees Spurs going this season. He said one thing to me on the call, and I hope you won't mind me saying this, but he said... Whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different Spurs team under me. And that kind of stuck with me that he said that. I thought, wow, there's that same belief that I've got in myself. I don't think it's any coincidence that so far Spurs have signed two players and Postacoglu has wowed them both. I think that's going to be a theme we're going to see with a lot of the players. Um, 
I think people maybe don't know what to expect with him. And then when they come away from these little chats, we've spoken about his style of talking before that he doesn't talk for long with players, certainly on a one-to-one basis, but what he does say makes a massive impact. I think we've already seen this with the two of them. So I'm fascinated to see how it works with the players from tomorrow onwards that he kind of meets and also how it works with other players and, and including a certain striker that we really want him to have a great chat with when he returns from holiday. So, yeah. Madison's, I mean, what do you make of this signing? It's, it's got to be one of Spurs' most exciting for a while, isn't it? Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. was maybe the last really, really exciting signing. Bale coming back on loan uh, yeah. three, three years ago, I'd probably say. I think, obviously, there were reports with uh, Leicester wanting about £60 million for Madison this summer, even though the fact he was about to enter the final year of his contract. So to get him for £40 million is an absolute steal. And then when you take away the £10 million while we're coming in for Harry Winks, it's just an absolute bargain, especially when you look at the numbers he's achieved for Leicester. I think it was the season before last. He must have had about 30 goal involvement. It was, yeah, 30. Yeah, which was really, really impressive because I don't think Leicester had the best of seasons that year as well. I think the slightly it was 19 dropped. or 20 last season as well, yeah. despite the fact that they went down. Yeah, so I mean, going to be expecting good numbers from him this season, especially when Andrew Postacoglu set to play a really, really, you know, attacking brand of football. And then, was it the mid 90s? Tottenham had a famous front five of. Was it Sheringham, <laughs> Klinsman, Dumitrescu, Bambi and Anderton? They're yeah, gonna maybe exact... not the best example, <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean. But they are going to have this attacking five uh, in Postacoglu's yeah. system this year. So yeah. we've obviously... Hopefully with a better defence. Kane, Son, Kulsevsky, and then Madison and Benton Kerr as the two number eights. And I think the number eight role is just made for Madison because... Postacoglu gives those two players license to push up field, get in and around the striker and make things happen. And he's probably the best of both worlds for Madison because, you know, he can score brilliant goals and he's got an eye for a pass as well. He can create chances. So and he's he works just, hard. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's exactly what Postacoglu wants in his players in, in the system. So I, I think it's a really, really good move. I'm probably just a bit surprised that no other club's taken a chance on him before. One of like the really, agree. really uh, big clubs towards the top of the Premier League, just because of... He was there for them, wasn't he? And there's so many clubs that he would have fit in and done absolutely fine. I do think Newcastle pulling out was massive for Spurs and the price especially. Leicester couldn't drive it up. Yeah, yeah. I think just the number he's posted in these five seasons at Leicester, he's always been consistent you just can't understand why someone else hasn't really come in for him beforehand, although it would cost an awful lot of money given what he offers Leicester. And I think what he can also offer Tottenham is just, a, you know, a big threat from set pieces. You know, if potentially even Perisic's going to go this summer, then you've got someone who can come straight in and take the corners, take the free kicks. But Whether, what if Harry in his talks with Postacoglu says, I want to keep taking free kicks? <laughs> that's what I was just going to say after Kane's, <laughs> Kane's goal against Brentford. Whether or not yeah. you can class it as a, a direct free kick or not, he might fancy his chances oh, now of, of staying on them. So, But, you know, Madison, he just brings quality. He's got really, really good uh, right foot. And statement signing is such a, mm. a big, big uh, sign of intent from the club as well and yeah just really looking forward to seeing how he goes uh, over the course of the season 
Absolutely. And just one little thing we have to touch on, because some Spurs fans have brought it up, is that there are those historic tweets that were deleted, um, obviously, where he wasn't too um, kind about Spurs and Gareth Bale. What I should stress about those, because some people I think have, have taken him a bit too far, he was 15 years old. He was a 15-year-old who, let's be honest, personally, I think you probably shouldn't be allowed on social media <laughs> at a certain age because the amount of dumb things that we all said when we were 15 years old, oh my goodness, I'd, I'd be terrified about what I would have written had there been social media around at that kind of level for me when I was 15. I would have said some really stupid things that later in life people would have dredged up and said, oh my goodness, look what you said. Because... Let's be honest, when you're 15 years old, you're not fully educated, you're not fully informed on life, and, and you have and you see things in a very uh, emotional, in-the-moment way as well. And you don't think about uh, the lasting nature, especially of, of writing posts on social media. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all I really wanted to say on that. It's just I've seen some people kind of even saying he shouldn't be signing for the club because of it. And it's like, oh, come on, please have a little think and think what you were like at 15 and the dumb things you probably said, whether it was, you know, on social media or whether it was just in life to even your parents, the kind of silly things we used to come out with. Um, yeah, I don't think you can judge a, a 26-year-old on something he wrote when he was 15. Um, and actually, interestingly, I saw someone pulled out some quotes from, oh, sorry, some tweets he did a little bit later about Harry Kane. Um, and it was maybe just a couple of years on. I think he was still a kid, though, absolutely saying, funny enough, a lot of the stuff that Spurs fans say about Harry Kane and that, you know, he's just world class. You can't judge him on whether he's won team trophies or not. That shouldn't define what a striker he is. And it's like, I have noticed no one's really sharing those around too much. Um, it's just these screenshots of things that were kind of long, long, long ago deleted. Um, yeah, it's just the way, unfortunately, life works. Is people sometimes need to find something to be angry about. Um, and I'm sure, you know, James Madison himself, as a hence why they were deleted, was probably mortified about what his 15-year-old self wrote. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just life. And it's the silly things that we do when we're kids. But, um, yeah, I'm so excited about this signing. Um, and to the other thing that made me chuckle slightly, um, in his interview, he kept referring to Daniel Levy as Daniel. And I just thought, oh, it's so familiar. <laughs> it's just like, it's like uh, these kind of chats. And maybe Daniel Levy said, oh, no, call me Daniel. But I must admit, all it made me think was, Koi is Daniel. <laughs> the thing that recently got everyone kind of laughing at one of his, um, what message was it? Was it, it, must, was, was it one of the many managers that has left? Was it the one after Newcastle? Yes. Defeat? I think so. Yes. Maybe. The, what, Stellini departure, maybe? Oh, I can't remember. There was a couple that went towards remember. the end of it the season. It would seem odd to have a Coy's Daniel on someone being sacked. Uh, I'm sure people will tell us. They'll, they'll tell us on Twitter after they listen to this. But yeah, as soon as I just, every time he said that, I just thought that makes me think of um, Coy's Daniel. But uh yeah, it's uh, he, he's a terrific player. He's one of those players. You know, you have sometimes this in life of you have a player that you really like and you really like watching play. And when they actually sign for the club, who in this case we cover, it's so exciting. It's oh, brilliant. Now we finally get to see what he's like in a Spurs shirt. It's a bit like when I was a kid, I used to um, 
my hero essentially when I was very young was Gary Lineker, despite the fact he didn't actually play for Spurs at that point. He was at a certain other club. Um, and that, when he later came to Spurs, was like one of those dream moments. It was like, oh, wow, my actual favourite player is coming to the club, always kind of supported as well. Um, and with Madison, there's, there's definitely an element of this. I mean, Spurs players must be delighted he's not in the opposition. He scored three goals and laid on one assist in the three match, the last three matches he's played against them. He's been absolutely uh, all over them over the last few years. So to actually have him as a weapon to go the other way. And and like you said, all those names you reeled off of the attackers, it's not just the likes of Harry Kane that will benefit. It's Sonny. It's Post uh, but He will benefit, but he's not playing. Um, Kulisevsky. You know, even Richarlison. Well, just to have someone behind them that's going to thread these passes through to them. Because let's be honest, Spurs under the Conte system were kind of having to rely on makeshift um, attacking midfielders, the likes of Benton Kerr and Hoybier to kind of adapt their game to be able to play those balls through. Whereas now they've actually got someone who's just born to do that. And it's very exciting for, you know, Kane, I have to mention mainly, because as someone that managed to somehow carve 30 Premier League goals out of last season's mess and lack of chances created, to finally now have someone behind him pulling the strings and then just delivering the ball into his feet or onto his head so much, he could get untold numbers next season. Um, it's just, yeah, very exciting. Like I say, he's got to stay, stay clear of injury. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what number, shirt number he gets because I would imagine Winksy's number eight is probably going to be snapped up by Basuma. Bear in mind that was his Brighton number. Obviously, Madison's number was 10. We're hoping he doesn't get that <laughs> next season. Um, I was trying to think with Porro because uh, he kept going on about Ericsson and his iconic shirt number in the interview, being 23. Um, I just wondered whether... Is 23 special to Porro? Is that why he's asked for that? I don't know, to be honest. I can't remember what he wore uh, for Sporting, but number two's free, so there could potentially be uh, a switch well, there. Yeah, this was exactly my thinking, whether Pedro Porro... Um, could maybe do a little switch and then he gets the uh, 23 shirt. I just thought that was funny that he brought up the shirt number and how it was iconic in the interview uh, and whether it was, I've just got Porro's squad number history, which I can tell you he has no, no, he's never had 23 before Spurs. He was 24, funny enough, at Sporting. Um, so whether that ends up being a shift there, that would maybe make sense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, very exciting signing Madison. And the thing I think I would say about him as well is that they're signing... I was trying to think, when was the last time they signed a player, kind of an England international almost... I wouldn't even say he's in his prime yet. He's almost there, but he's certainly one of the top Premier League midfielders. Um, you know, you could argue Fraser Forster was an England international, but he probably wouldn't say he's in his prime right now. But yeah, I can't even think. When was the last time they signed an England international of that kind of level? I've no idea. Yeah. I'm really struggling with that one. I'm trying to quickly think through the team. Certainly no one there right now. God, I genuinely cannot even remember the last time they did that, let alone in the kind of recent times. But I think that's the big thing about it. It's a statement signing. It's 
a signing that we've already said is good for Postacoglu, it's good for Harry Kane, but I also think it's really good for Daniel Levy. And I think that's why he was driving it so much because for a man who's clearly obviously been under pressure from the Spurs fans who are going to be watching everything he does like a hawk this um, summer, it's a signing that, let's be honest, you have to be slightly dead inside if you're not excited about the fact that they've Spurs have bought James Madison. I've seen a couple of voices on on Twitter saying he's not all that and other thing. We're, we're well past the stage now where we know that Twitter is not the way to uh, um, kind of uh, judge any reaction to anything nowadays. But yeah, I just think it's very exciting. I think as long as he Spurs can sort the defence as well, this could shape up to be a very, very good window. But they have to do that to make it a good one. Yep. Right. We're halfway through the show. Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Of course. Yeah. If you're not aware, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It's something I've done many times in the past, way before Nord became a sponsor with us. I would use uh, NordVPN on holidays to be able to access um, subscription services I had back home, be able to watch telly, streaming things. Um, because for some reason, when you go abroad, your phone or devices doesn't let you do that. And this way, Nord allows you to switch just to think your device is at home uh, and you can watch whatever you want. I've used it on work stuff as well. I remember being stuck once in a, a stadium that had no action replay. So I was able to get my, I think it was BT Sport, um, up on my phone, able to use Nord to be able to make my phone think it was back home so that I could be able to watch the replays and then actually know what had happened in case I'd missed it or uh, something was a, needed a bit of a close-up camera angle. So, And it's not only that. It's like the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. Um, for example, you, know, you can book flights from other countries and that can be cheaper too. So it means that while you're paying out for Nord, you're saving money overall. And there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN like internet security it stops people taking things off your devices if you're using a public wi-fi so why not give it a go you can grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan plus four additional months for free it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee as mentioned earlier there's another transfer deal set to go through between tottenham and leicester and that is harry winks heading to the king power stadium in a 10 million pound deal winks is on the verge of entering the final year of his tottenham contracts i think 10 million is a good price all in all for a player who has international experience playing for England uh, but in the past few years it's just not really worked out for him at Tottenham he's had a bit part role uh, fell out of favour under Jose Mourinho minutes just never came his way under Nuno and the same as well for Antonio Conte and obviously last year he was one of four players who was allowed to exit the club a permanent move never came to fruition but he did head to Italy uh, to join Sampdoria on loan. Again, probably another frustrating period for him, given he didn't play in the first part of the season because he had to go uh, un undergo surgery on his ankle. 
But once he did start playing, uh, from I think it was January onwards, I think he made 19 successive starts after his debut off the bench against Empoli, who, which would have been against Vicario. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is it's a good move for him. Uh, I think it's one of these where maybe you do have to take one step back to go too forward. Uh, I always thought there'd be a Premier League move there for him this summer or maybe even potentially another move abroad, whether it's to remain in Italy or to go to Spain. Uh, and probably just a shame Sampdoria went down in the end because he did have a really, really good loan spell there. And he maybe if they stayed up, possibly they would have wanted to keep him permanently. But it's moved to Leicester. Uh, it's a chance for him to play regularly. I think he's going to be one of these experienced heads in the team. Looks like they're also signing Connor Cody. And I mean, they're going to want to come back to the Premier League at the first time of asking. So he's going to have a big, big role to play uh, for Leicester. I know he's maybe got some criticism from Tottenham fans over the past few years, and but he's still a really good player in there, someone who's really good on the ball. Maybe Tottenham haven't played to his strengths recently. You know, a lack of minutes is always going to prove problematic to a player. That's why confidence levels are going to be low. The player's not going to be sharp, but I think this is a chance for him you know, on the back of a good loan spell at Sampdoria, which will have boosted his confidence, you know, to just take that on and to help Leicester get back to the Premier League and get him back to the previous levels he's shown in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's a really forward-thinking move from Winks, actually. It's one of those where I think other Premier League clubs probably would have come in for him. Um, I think there would have been interest from other clubs. But I think he's looked at it and thought, you know what, Leicester City are a big club now. They're a club, despite the fact they got relegated, they're a club that won the Premier League not too long ago, won the FA Cup only a few years ago. The likelihood is they're going to come back up straight away. You'd imagine, unless there's a bit of a disaster from next season. I know the Championship is a very tough uh, league, but you would imagine with the players they'll still have um, and the uh, players that they're bringing in, I would imagine that they'll come straight back. And I think in that way, he becomes like a a mainstay of that midfield um, for the coming years to come as well and back in the Premier League. And I think 10 million is a terrific uh, deal for Spurs, especially as he only had 12 months left on his contract. Um, You know, I think that last six months or five months or so at Sampdoria would have been quite big in helping his value because... You know, he impressed a lot of people in that second half. He played almost every single minute from the fact from the turn of the year after he'd had the ankle surgery. Um, and I've always felt with Harry Winks, he has been given a bit of a rough ride by the, the fans at times. Um, I mean, all clubs do this. There's always this need to scapegoat players. And I do feel that the bulk of the time, it often comes from English players and, and kind of and some and, and often kind of one of your own types, you know, academy products seem to get it even harder, which is weird because you kind of look from the outside and you think, well, surely they're the ones that you should kind of protect and back the most because they've come through, you know, the club from such an early age. But football's a tough place and it doesn't work like that all the time. And I know Winks had some performances that weren't great, but I did also feel that, especially in recent years, like you said, he's been coming in and out of the team He's been getting minutes here and there and is so important, especially for a player like him, the rhythm 
of the game and how when you're coming in and out of team how bad that can look when you're suddenly thrown into something i always remember when he came on against your lot actually it was everton in the fa cup and unfortunately it's probably gone down as one of the worst cameos from a player and it was just it was such a player coming on who didn't look sharp he didn't look like he was in the flow of the game um and I don't think it's any coincidence that he's gone to Sampdoria and for the first time in years, he's played every single minute in those final six months. And he was one of the reasons why if they had any shot in the last month or so of staying up, it was because of his performances for them. Um, and yeah, it's interesting you said about Sampdoria because from the Italian media suggests that they are another club that a certain Fabio Paratici is uh, currently consulting and advising for um sorry i should just stress if people aren't aware because there's probably some people thinking what i can't be allowed what's actually happened was <clears throat> excuse me that parasici had part of his ban walked back slightly by fifa and there was an appeal made um which means that he's allowed to do a certain level of things now nowhere near what he used to be able to do but a certain level and part of that includes consulting which is why he's been able to consult at spurs and why the Italian media is suggesting that he's, what he's doing at Sampdoria, uh, who obviously went down. I don't think it's <clears throat> any coincidence that uh, Perlo has just been appointed, hasn't he, as their new manager. And shock horror, who appointed him in Italy? It was Fabio Pratici at Juventus a few years back before he uh, headed off to Spurs. Um, but yeah, Sampdoria got a whole lot of financial issues ahead as well. Um, I think for Winks... Yeah, it's a really good move, and I do wish him well. Ten million. I think obviously some of that will be add-ons. It'll be a total deal of ten million. And we should stress with James Madison, there's add-ons there as well. But quite frankly, if he, if those add-ons come into play and then conditions are met, that means that he's done very well at Spurs, and I'm sure Spurs will be delighted that that's the case. Um, but with Winks, yeah, I hope he has a really good season. I think. If he can get Leicester back up into the Premier League and he has a big season in the Premier League the following season, I genuinely wouldn't be shocked if he starts to come back into some kind of England talk again because he is a kind of midfielder that we don't have too many of. He's quite a continental-style midfielder. Um, and that's been said before. You know, This isn't me just coming out with this out of the blue. This has been said before by those in the England set-up publicly as well. Um, and, you know... Certainly, I remember the season he had alongside Sissoko when Spurs got through to the Champions League final. That was, I don't think he got enough credit for that season and how good he was alongside Sissoko and the two of them. Um, they're often seen as, later seen as almost like a reason why Spurs never went to the next level. But actually, I would counter that by saying they were a big part of why they somehow how they somehow managed to finish top four and get to a Champions League final that season was because of their performances in the midfield. Um, and yeah, I can only wish him the best. He's 27 years old now. Um, he's at that stage in his career where, yeah, he really kind of needs to push on now. And I think people will be surprised that in a couple of years we'll be talking about him in really glowing terms again. And, and maybe there'll be a little bit of reassessing on how difficult it was, I guess, in the recent years for him. Right. This week as well, there's obviously been a lot of talk about another potential exit, and that is Harry Kane. Uh, it's been, to be honest, the past couple of weeks, it's been really quiet on Kane's future amid the previous talk of a move to either Manchester United or Real Madrid. But obviously, Bayern Munich have now entered the fray. Munich have been linked with him 
in the past, and there's been talk of a £60 million uh, bid for him, what, €70 million, Euros, I think. If Bayern really want to sign him, they're going to have to offer a lot more money uh, to even tempt Daniel Levy into conversations regarding the potential exit for Harry Kane. And it's one of these where you can maybe see, if he is to move abroad, you can maybe see the pull of a Real Madrid, the Barcelona, Bayern Munich, albeit one of the biggest clubs in the world, maybe not so much of a pull. But it does leave Kane with a decision to make if, you know, an offer is deemed acceptable at some point from Tottenham. Yeah, it's interesting. All last three players we've spoken about all have twelve months left on their contract, and you can see the varying prices for each one. Obviously, Harry Winks ten million, Madison forty, but with add-ons that you know will probably push that higher. And I think actually, the Madison deal is quite a good indicator for Kane because you can look at that and say, yeah, obviously everything we said about Madison, fantastic player, but come on, Harry Kane is one of the world's best. So Spurs are willing to spend forty million plus the add-ons. I don't know entirely how much the add-ons add on to it, but you know, let's say, and again, this is not the figure. This is me just saying. Let, let's say it's fifty. Um, I have no information that that's the case, but let's say it's fifty because add-ons normally do whack on a, a little bit, a fair bit extra. So let's say it's fifty. Harry Kane is so good that I could understand Daniel Levy saying, well, we would have to at least double what we've just paid for James Madison. So you're immediately looking at 100 million, despite the fact there's 12 months left, because you know what Harry Kane does for a team over the course of one season. He's that kind of player. Um, Am I surprised by the fact that it's Bayern Munich that are being so kind of heavily involved in this? Yes, I must admit I get it from their point of view. Absolutely. I mean, he'd be incredible uh, for Bayern Munich. And I'd seriously think they'd probably be able to win the Champions League with him in there. I think he would be that kind of missing piece of their puzzle for them to to do that. I just, I'm not entirely sure I get it from the Kane side of things. And let's be honest, the fact that they're going into this, this level suggests that they have had a very strong indication from him that he would be open to the move. And there's talk in Germany that he's actually agreed terms in in, um, uh, in principle. Obviously, it wouldn't be Kane. It would be through intermediaries and everything. I just find it a, an in, a strange move in his, from his part um, for a, a number of reasons. Just I should say straight off the bat, Bayern Munich and a massive club brilliant club um terrific fan base terrific players they are they are one of the world's biggest teams i don't think there's any denying that and i absolutely understand that and there's obviously the logic that kane could go there and it would suddenly be a wash with trophies that that's that I, I get all of that however i just wonder on a on a global level with the choices that harry kane would have in 12 months time not even 12 months, in six months' time, he could talk to foreign clubs, I think, if he wanted to as well. But for me, if I'm trying to build myself as one of the world's biggest stars, he's got this real kind of drive to this brand Kane thing in America as well, of really kind of increasing his presence in that respect, in you know, he's been on the Jimmy Fallon show over there. He's been on Good Morning America. There's constantly talk about him wanting to eventually be an NFL kicker when he hang, hangs up his his of uh, UK football boots. Um, 
And I just kind of feel that while the Bundesliga is an amazing league and I think uh, probably is your closest fit to the Premier League as well, I just wonder globally, is it as watched as the Premier League or is it as watched as someone like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona? I just wonder whether Champions League aside, is he actually taking himself slightly out of the limelight? Um, And, you know... Again, I don't want people to misconstrue this as me saying no one watches the Bundesliga or anything like that. That's not the case. Lots of people watch the Bundesliga. But I just, I would imagine it's not going to be to the level that the Premier League is watched globally. So for me, especially, you know, from a man who two years ago very clearly said in that interview with Gary Neville, I have no interest in moving abroad. (laughs) It doesn't appeal to me. It just seems a really odd almost like a, a temporary solution in that respect of because obviously we know he'd, it's not the be all and end all but we know he'd love to be known as the all-time top premier league goal scorer and i know the way he looks after himself that there'll be a thought that long term he could come back to the uk but i just trying to put myself into his mindset i can't understand why you wouldn't just see this season out even if you just thought, even if he has decided, I'm not saying this is the case, but if he's decided that, yeah, that's it, I've done everything I can for Spurs, it's my time to, to do something else, I don't understand why you don't wait six to 12 months and have the pick of world football at your disposal. He could go anywhere. He could go to maybe Real Madrid, bearing in mind the situation there. He could maybe go to Man City if Haaland end up going to Real Madrid. He could go to Man United. He could go to... Oh, he could go to Chelsea till he cut with Pochettino just to entirely break the rest of Spurs fans' hearts. Um, he could do whatever he wants. He would be one of the most valuable free agents on the market, um, obviously alongside Mbappe if he uh, if he doesn't go anywhere this summer. Um, that's why I just don't get. And I, I think it would now come down to Harry Kane agitating for a move and publicly saying he'd want to go to Bayern. And I just wouldn't understand the thinking behind that. I just wouldn't get it. Um, he didn't do it with Man City two years ago, which was, you know, oh, goodness knows what he would have done with Man City over those two years. I, I just don't get it. It's one that the noise around it and the fact that we keep hearing about Bayern being confident and whether there is an aspect of Spurs maybe thinking, well, we don't want him to stay in the Premier League. If we're going to sell him anywhere, we'll sell him there. If if they can come up with a figure that would even get us to start talking, maybe there's an element to that. But then everything that you hear coming out from the club is that they've got no intention to sell. He's part of Postacoglu's plans for next season. Um, and certainly I know that the plan is between Postacoglu and Kane is they're going to have a, a their first, uh, a, sorry, they're going to have a chat when he comes back from his holiday. Uh, presumably he'll be a July the 12th with the rest of the international players. Um, and I saw some people suggesting that he might not go on the tour and things like that. From what I understand, you know, you mustn't forget how much of a professional Harry Kane is. If Harry Kane is a Spurs player, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, he'll be on that tour. He, he's not the kind of guy that's going to demand that he's left at home or anything. Um, I just find it weird. I just find it a strange one. Again, it's difficult to put yourself into other people's mindsets, especially when you know <laughs> I have no nowhere near the quality or understanding of the, of the game and, and my, his own worth as Harry Kane would have. But I just would have thought 
you've got James Madison coming in, your England teammate, who you know is going to be a pleasure to play alongside. You've got a manager coming in who I think in that chat, as long as Kane hasn't decided in his head, that's it, I'm definitely off. I think Postacoglu will probably get on very well with Harry Kane. I think there will be a good chat, um, an exciting chat about how the football is going to be because um, he will have been disappointed with the style of football. And yeah, it's... I, I I would just think you spend 12 months, have a look at what Spurs are, and then at the end of that 12 months, you still don't think you're any closer to achieving the things you want to achieve, then you head off. And if you think, okay, maybe we are heading in the right direction, you sign a new deal. I just don't get the buying stuff. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Early Kane himself knows exactly. whether this would be an appealing move for him. Uh, I think I'm with you. I'd just maybe see out final year of his Tottenham contract, see what's going to happen at Tottenham. Uh, because if everything comes together for Postacoglu, Spurs are winning games, playing really good football. He may think he's got a really good chance of winning trophies at Tottenham. And at Bayern, it's guaranteed trophies because, let's be honest, they're going to win the Bundesliga. I know they won it in the final couple of minutes of last season, but each of the other past few seasons, they've won it at a counter, really. And in terms of the Champions League, they're always going to be quarterfinals minimum. So would would a Bundesliga trophy mean as much to Kane as winning maybe a League Cup with Tottenham? Let's be honest. Mm. No, it wouldn't. So, I mean, that's that's uh, down to Kane. And I do agree with, as well what you're saying with, you know, the eyes of the world are on the Premier League and they'd probably say La Liga. And then they'd probably say Serie A after that before the Bundesliga. Mm. So maybe he isn't going to be front and centre if he goes to Bayern. But at the end of the day, it's his career. It's his decision. But if Munich really wants him, they're going to have to offer a lot more money for his services. Well, this is the thing. At this stage, it's still not quite his decision. It's still Spurs and Daniel yeah. Levy's decision. And that's what kind of what we're both saying is like twelve months time. It really is his decision. Um, he's free of anyone else deciding his future for him. Yeah, right. Before we wrap up, I think there's one other thing we need to talk about, and that's Ange Postecoglou's coaching staff that has been confirmed. That was Tuesday. Uh, when Ange was appointed manager about a month ago, Spurs said there'd be confirmation in due course and we've had to wait a while but I think we always believed it probably would be the final week ahead of the return of pre-season training and he's added some uh, experience to his coaching staff. There's Chris Davis who comes in as senior assistant coach. He was last at Leicester City. He's also been at Swansea, Liverpool and Celtic. He was always working with Brendan Rodgers. I didn't actually realise he was at Celtic, uh, sorry, at Swansea. So he'd have been nearly 20s when he was there uh, in Wales. There's Ryan Mason and Matt Wells. They're staying on as assistant coaches. Mille Yedinak, he's going to be an assistant coach as well. He's had a couple of roles at Aston Villa since he called time on his career. And then there's Rob Birch as well, who is goalkeeping coach. Uh, Tottenham fans may be aware of him. He came through the system in the early noughties before, I think it was Sheffield Wednesday, he joined on a permanent deal in like 2007. Mm. And he's been working as a goalkeeping coach ever since. I think I believe it's probably alongside Scott Parker because looking at the teams he has worked 
And uh, that is, yeah, it's been Fulham, Bournemouth and Club Bruce. So experience there. Obviously, these are all going to be new people to Ange Postacoglu. Uh, but that's exactly what he likes when he comes in at clubs. He's basically a one-man band and he'll come in and work with new staff and they'll keep him on his toes, give him fresh ideas. And I think that's exactly what he wants. Yeah, it's a really dynamic, uh, exciting coaching staff, which is not the kind of thing you'd normally say about coaching staff. But you've got Chris Davies there, uh, obviously, as the more senior figure. If you look up, there's a really good interview Sky Sports did with him. It probably was a couple of weeks ago, but they've held it onto it nicely for when he got appointed as Spurs boss and uh, a Spurs boss, a Spurs assistant, senior assistant coach. Um, and he talks about his style of football. It's very similar to the Postacoglu way. It's very much about attacking possession-based football. Um, honestly, look it up. If you want a good sense of, of why Postacoglu clearly warmed to him, um, and I think he'll very quickly take on board exactly what Postacoglu wants. And then you've got Mason and Wells, obviously both very attack-minded, possession-based coaches as well. Um, know the club inside out as well. And like you say, Rob Birch, Mason and Wells will all know each other very well. Um, probably Kane will know all three of those pretty well as well from the academy days. Um, Yedinak's the, the, the newbie almost of the bunch, which sounds strange when you're talking about like Mason only being 31. Um, oh, I actually think he's 32 now. But with Yedinak, coaching-wise, he's done more kind of youth stuff at Villa. Um, but he's got the massive plus that he was... Postacoglu is Australia captain. So if anyone knows what it's like to play under him, it's him. Um, and he's got a magnificent beard, which we mustn't um, you know, <laughs> overlook as well. It's an incredible beard. It's actually Rob Guest-esque. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting coaching staff. The way he works with his coaching staff is he just gives them his instructions. He has a hand in kind of over everything, but essentially lets them go off and do their thing and then report back to him and he'll tweak things if he's not quite happy with some stuff. But but on the whole, he, he lets them have that bit of autonomy, Postacoglu. So, yeah, I'm really... We'll, we'll quite swiftly, I think, see in these preseason games a different style of football. We'll see what they've been working on in the training ground, what they've been drilled into them. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything there is set up to be a more interesting to watch Tottenham Hotspur, certainly. Um, and hopefully... We'll see that quite quickly because we know the early results might be a little bit tricky as they adjust. Um, but as long as we're seeing the direction they're going in, I think that'll be a big, big plus. So it's from Saturday, July the 1st, which is tomorrow, where they'll all be working together uh, for the first time and going to see all the players, the non-internationals coming back to Hotspur Way. So I assume there's going to be likes of Tangy on them belly uh, coming back, Brian Hill as yes. well. And then it's... As is usually the case in the first couple of days of pre-season, it's just a lot of testing. It really just see where yeah. they are in terms of the body and that before the hard work starts on the pitch. But I'm sure there'll be a, a number of photos released from the club to show who's back and who isn't just yet. So, right, I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Gold and Guests Hot Tottenham. So as ever, thank you for tuning in and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.